and welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. As you'll know, if you've listened to episode 21 of the podcast, that interview went on a bit longer than planned, so we're releasing this month's book review as a separate mini-episode. Laurie, Hannah and I are joined by the Repeat Beat Poet to discuss Poor by Caleb Femi. If you want to hear our full interview with PJ or the Repeat Beat Poet, check out episode 21, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us about Paul, or indeed anything else about the podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at deaddarlingspod and Facebook as Dead Darlings Podcast. Or you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, darlings, and take care. Now it's time for our book of the month, which this month is Poor by Caleb Fermi, chosen by Laurie. Laurie, why did you choose this book? So Caleb's a poet whose name I've heard forever and ever and ever. And for whatever reason, I've just never seen him. I don't know why that is. Um, but I recently heard him uh, on The Verb, um, which is BBC Radio 3 show with Ian McMillan. And he did a poem from the collection called Here Too Spring Comes to Us with Open Arms, which is in poor. Um, and also recently we looked at a poem from the collection called Schrodinger's Black in a Words Down workshop recently. Um, both of them just came at exactly the same time and made me go, why the hell have I not read this book yet? Why have I not seen Caleb? Why have I not experienced this before? So I wanted to read it, which is why I suggested it. Personally, I'm bloody glad I did because I loved it. I don't know about you guys and what your thoughts were. That's my initial impression. And I'm just going to like throw it <laughs> open to other people. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, uh, and we're joining this conversation as well uh, by PJ, who stuck around. Yeah, PJ's he still has, here, guys. He has made notes and he's got thoughts. What were your thoughts on the book, PJ? So it's fantastic. And many of the reasons it's fantastic, personally for me, um, is for its directness and its portraits, right? So I think about it. So Caleb's obviously a photographer as well. And this book is split like it, it, it's peppered with accompanying images maybe like every three four pages you know there's a lot of there's a lot of pictures in here right and some of them are quite abstract and like imagistic some of them are very much like straight up portraits like you know of of, of young black boys faces young black people's faces and and, and young black people and, and then, some of them are portraits not of their faces almost, that where faces are obscured or they're looking away and they, they almost don't want to engage with the yeah. camera. Mm. And I think that so much of the... It, it's almost like the pictures and the poems work in perfect tandem, like with each other. And some of the poems feel like, when I'm reading them, they feel like movies, they feel like like a still image. So a designer talks of home and a resident talks of home, part one. It's That's this poem where, like, it, it's the recording of a conversation and it's time-stamped and it's a designer and a resident and you see these two perspectives interlaced with each other and Caleb creates meaning through juxtaposing them and it's almost like I can see the types of homes that they're talking about. Um, and and this happens all throughout the poem, Um some of my favourite mm. poems, just if you're listening and you want to read along, Ode to South mm. London Galdem, Hallelujah Money, which is this repeated, like, you know, uh, reuse mm. of Hallelujah. And because Caleb's like a like a pastor's son, he speaks a lot about, like, what is holy and what is, what is like, 
to be saved you know what what should be treasure and treasuring like life mm. and the lives of poor people who live on you know estates and that you know the book's called poor for a reason it's like we should not only listen to and understand these people we should love them and mm. and and really like you know spend time thinking about their lives mm. and looking at how beautiful they are and how joyous they are and how they have capacity to do anything and everything which is all the freedoms that we don't tend to imagine to people who are like yeah. poorer or living on estates or you know for god forbid not white like you, you know what i mean so yeah i love this book as well i've actually got three copies of it <laughs> is that because it's the one the one to loan out like this book sorry <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> one for each eye right yeah definitely it's um yeah. Yeah, I, I won one through like a competition and then I bought a copy um, and then I bought a copy to loan out. <laughs> it's that kind of book, isn't it? I love going back to the one you mentioned, PJ, the designer talks of home and resident talks of home and the way that it's interlacing two different transcripts, one with the person who's designed the buildings or, or you know buildings that are cheap housing versus people who actually live there um, and talking about them in the same way. Uh, in in about the same things but from a different perspective is brilliant and it, i love it was really interesting reading it when i read it because i don't know rebecca we did a session in apples and snakes red sky sessions where we were looking at coupling um poems where you take a line from one thing and a line from another thing and put them together to make a poem and then then i read this and was like oh that's the technique being used in action to a really brilliant um effect and actually i love throughout the book how there are all these poems where i i almost feel like you you get the impression like oh that could have come out of a, an exercise a creative writing exercise but then it's been polished to the nth degree like it's got um these poems about uh this poem that's set up as an exploration of two seconds before a gunshot fires and the whole poem moves through those two seconds describing in absolute detail what is happening and i love how when i'm read or like there's a poem called things i have stolen which is a list of, of things that have been stolen um and i i feel like when i read it i go oh any anyone could write a poem like this but i love how not anyone could hone it like this exactly it feels like it could have come out of a workshop exercise but you've then taken it on and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it till it's just a masterclass in mm. in writing it's funny i feel like when people say oh this is technically very accomplished or technically you know it's a very technical collection it sounds like a put down it sounds like um, you know, it didn't move me, but I appreciate it. Yeah, it's ticking all the boxes. Whereas this is this, it's it does move you. It is really kind of you know picking you up by the scruff of the neck and going, look this. But at the same time, yeah, there are these really technically clever, technically polished, brilliant things. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it sort of sacrifices the the emotive uh, element of it or the sort of heart of it either. I think it's, it is a it's really clever. He's got he's got a poem called "Put Them in the Room," and sorry, "Put Them in the Room of Spirit and Slow Time" on page ten, right? And the the poem it's in like couplets, you know, but 
what he does, what you were talking about, um, the kind of slowing of time where he writes an entire poem in the two seconds before a bullet's fired, he does this playing with time a lot. Like, he'll he'll have, like, a still image that the poem is telling, and then there's, like, a sub-story underneath it. And just some of the some of the... Some of the ways he can turn a single line as like a unit of meaning and it can be so powerful. I think it's really effective when he does it, when he's talking about time and he's talking about either how time has passed or times he used to know or the time that that, that people are not afforded to like, in many times, be kids. I think it's a collection so much about like childhood and innocence and... Mm. For want of a better phrase, not loss of innocence, mm. but being confronted with a world that won't mm. allow you innocence, that, like, forces a difference. And, yeah, and I think that poem really, yeah. really summarises it. There's lines where he says, boys yeah. in search of a hyperbolic time chamber where their clutch of years pours slow. And that's like Shakespeare, you know? That's like, you know, like, um, um, uh, tis not the lark is the nightingale, yeah. you know? Mm. Mm. And it does feel actually a lot that it's engaging with kind of the canon, canonical poetry, canonical like mm. writing about spring, writing about landscapes, writing yeah. about innocence and loss thereof. But it's saying actually my my landscape here is a concrete, brutalist yeah. housing block in South mm. London. Well, it's the Ellsbury Estate, like you know he, yeah. he names yeah, it many times. Yeah, it's a very specific times. landscape. Mm. Yeah, Peckham. Um, but sort of well, saying then... why why is that less worthy of these poems mm. than you know, the Yorkshire Dales or whatever, or House yeah. of Golden Daffodils and things like that. So to jump in on that, mm. um, Rebecca, when when I was listening to Caleb feature on The Verb, the BBC Radio 3 show, um, it was an episode specifically about spring. Um, it was a, that, that was the theme of the episode. So you've got all these nature poems and then um, Caleb going, right, I'm going to talk about spring spring where i come from and the poem's title here too spring comes to us with open arms it's 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 that richness of um the 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 location and the place and talking a lot about pj you're saying young people but specifically boys specifically looking at how how space and architecture and buildings in that in that area in that estate shape these boys um you know, it's it, it's a book that is really about. Uh, I I don't know. Or I think it's it it concerns itself with with physical space and how that affects mm, people mm. and our perceptions of people. It really is a book that does so much, and it does so much so well, while also being like mm. it feels like a book I could give to like you know like a twelve year old, fourteen year old, like you know nephew or cousin or whatever. Yeah. Like, and that's fascinating. How many books written by people who have the background that Caleb has, and that's not to fetishize like you know his, his identity, but that's to say how many stories like this do we hear as yeah. normal? And there's a reason why Michaela Cole's quote is front and center on the front. You know, she does a similar thing um, yeah. in "I May Destroy You." So, yeah. mm. and mm-hmm. yeah, her whole canon, like chewing gum as well, yeah. was. She started out doing poetry, right? Like what? that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my Chewing god! Gum, that a... Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, poetry's loss is the world's gain, but like, but yeah. Every time, um, every time. Um, and also, yeah. like, I, I, I especially found like the 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 themes of police and 
interactions with police like it's, it's a very early on one but there's one called 13 about a stop and search with you fit the description of a man and you oh he's yeah 13 years old and this is the cop who'd come to his school to talk about yeah. future careers and stuff mm. um and mm. and yeah i mean there's a lot more to it than that and it's you know but in that poem he says long, you it packs a hell of a mm. It's fascinating that yeah. he says you in that poem. He does, yeah, it's all second yeah, person. Yeah, it really forces yeah. the reader to place themselves in that situation because it's easy to, for want of a better phrase, ghettoise young black people into writing only about things that we deem as young black things. Like, mm. and, and mm. this book kicks against that so hard by being fully mm. in its, like, it's fully in its convictions, you know? It feels mm. like a writer who knows that they are worthy of everything every plaudit that's ever been removed from them and people like them you yeah. know yeah there's this beautiful um imagery that comes up throughout the book of uh, obviously the title is poor p-o-o-r but there's this imagery of sort of pouring um so p-o-u-r um pouring like there's there's talk of like pouring boys into hoodies pouring um various different things and and here it's almost like what he is doing is is pouring you as the as the reader in directly into the hood directly into the stairwells um, the... Um, the hoodie yeah directly into the stairwells directly into that experience by using that technique um and yeah it's it's all so expertly done i think we seem not split on this one, which is yeah, uh, which is different <laughs> compared to the last couple yeah. of books that we've done. Either that, or I've just dominated the conversation. No, but... no, I absolutely no, loved no. it. The the only kind of thing that slightly it's not the only thing I think that was a negative in my mind reading it is that some of the slang is just the stuff that I've only heard on the fringes and I went, fuck, I'm old. Um, like... That's a problem with you though, Hannah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the only, the only like, neg- beyond like, fuck, that's powerful, that's a horrible thing. Like the only negatives I had were like a very personal, who the fuck says Peng? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think, and you know, we've had this conversation a lot about kind of accessibility or mm. understandability of poetry. Mm. And with this one, there were things where I was like, I'm not, I don't entirely understand what's going on here. I'm getting a gist, but I don't know every word. Yeah, but with this one, I'm like, well, if a white if a God. white lady who grew up in Somerset doesn't get this shit, then <laughs> that's okay. Fine, <laughs> I'll work it out. Yeah, that's okay. You know, and uh, it's not it's not for me, but like it's not it's not written for me in translation. So sort yourself out, Cooney, and work mm. it out. And also, like, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Like, weird enough, it doesn't feel like an exclusive sense, you know? Like, no. the book feels like, I'm not saying that you can't understand me, I'm just saying that you haven't understood people like me, and therefore I'm not going mm. to brush the edges, I'm not going to mm. take out this experience or that experience or this way I speak like, or that stop way stop to I introduce speak. this, you just got to catch up, like... Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that's a fascinating, like... Because that's so strong, like in mm. every poem he's going, I can speak your language completely, but you might not understand everything that I'm saying. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
I think that's interesting. I was chatting to a friend of mine um, sort of before I started reading it, actually, and she was saying she'd really heard it praised as this amazing, coherent, cohesive collection where everything really hangs together well. And then she was saying, yes, but I feel a lot of the poems are doing the same thing. There's a lot of repetition. And I kind of read it and was like, yeah, I think both things are true, actually, that it is a a really cohesive, coherent portrait. Ideas come back again. Uh, they're repeated. They're complicated. They're played with. The same kind of topic is revisited. And it, it, it actually, it really works. It's almost mm. like you're sort of told not to do that too much with poetry collections, well, right? It's like, well, what is this saying and adding? And well, But I think it, it does work. Well, there's a, there's a series of, of poems running through it called Concrete. And then there's a bunch of other mm. poems that concern themselves with concrete and concern themselves mm. with concrete, either in the title or in the images. Um, what struck me is that when I read it, I, I didn't, I think it recur images recurred and repeated but i never found it repetitive i always mm. found it mm. was using finding a different angle finding something new to say doing yeah. something in different ways or, or and, and and experimenting with itself formally like there's this there's this section which are excerpts from journal entries um just after grenfell um and they are, mm, and they are just journal entries because, because, and I love the fact that that Caleb's chosen journal entries because that's the right form to talk about that shit in. It's it that you can't pretty it up, or you can, but you know, like there's a power in not prettying it up. There's a power in not finding mm. a poem in it and just printing your raw journal entry and saying this is what I felt at the time. You know, yeah. absolutely. Mm. It's a bit long, but actually, it, I was amazed. I, I was amazed how quickly I went. I went yeah. through it basically in one sitting. Yeah. I just yeah. ate it. <laughs> no. So, as you can tell, fantastic collection. We would thoroughly recommend. Um, so that is "Poor" by Caleb Femi, and that is available on Penguin for nine pounds ninety nine, and is worth every penny. That's right. Thanks, PJ, yeah. for joining us for the book chat. Yeah, thank you for joining. Been in a on. pleasure. That.